Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Liberty Lake Church. Uh, I get to do double duty today. It's a it's a joy to to play and sing and then preach. And so, uh, if it's not cognitive in any way, you'll understand what's going on. But we do have a script, and we're going to try and follow that today. I'm also excited because we're doing communion and. Uh, we have our follow-up video today from our summer camp, so a couple of our, I, we have one of our students here this morning that was actually at the camp, so if you want to know what actually happened, you can talk to Peyton, and she's going to kill me for pointing her out, but she's here, so she gets pointed out, so good morning, Peyton. <laughs> Would you join us as we sing this morning? Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me. Let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Your in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. And on that day when my strength is failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forevermore Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, 
Worship His holy name. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh, my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. Worship Your holy name. Lord, I'll worship your holy name. Father, we just thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity we have to come and lift your vo- our voices in praise of you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege that we have to fellowship and to gather as your church. God, I pray this morning you would guide and lead everything that we do, that it would exalt you and you alone, and that you would take all the glory in your name. Amen. I think he's got me now. There we go. I'm Aaron Brown. Uh, welcome, Liberty Lake Church. Um, this, uh, I guess, the unofficial end of summer, right? Glad to see everybody. A couple announcements. Communication cards. Fill them out. They're in front of you. Um, I think you can also do it online or through the app. Uh, if you have any prayer concerns, things like that, just communicate with the elders or the church. Nursery only today, so no kids rock. So the kids are joining us. Um, that's right. It'll be uh, be a little louder than normal. Fellowship, oh, men's breakfast. Is that next Saturday, right? The 11th at 8 a.m. right here at the church. I hear there's good food. <laughs> always, always. I don't know. Fellowship lunch. This is an importance. Everybody's perking up now. There's two food groups right here, or two food announcements right back to back. Uh, Sunday the 12th, so next Sunday. Lunch will be provided. Bring a dessert. So get your cookbooks out, Pinterest, whatever you use, and come up with a good dessert for me, all right? Oh, another lunch meeting. Wow. Kids Rock meeting and lunch, Sunday the 19th. So contact uh, Elise. The email is up there. Or see her. She's right there. Raise your hand, Elise. If, you wanna, if you're interested in going. Uh, new members, current and future volunteers. Excuse me. All right. And last but not least, youth group relaunch, Wednesday, September 15th. Um, if you know youth, if you're interested, come join here at the church, right, Shane? All right, I'm assuming downstairs. All right, interesting study. All right, so here we have a video, so uh, enjoy the service.
The cause of Christ is not one person doing everything. The cause of Christ is everybody doing something and doing what they were wired to do to the best of their ability with all that they've got. And when they are them and they let others be others and they fulfill their role and others are fulfilling their role, you know what we call that in the New Testament? The body of Christ. You have spiritual gifts that only you have. You have giftedness that only you have, and it is necessary for the whole body to come together and to use those gifts for the glory of God. And your youth ministry, you are in your church, in your youth ministry, with your youth pastors in a specific way, for a specific time, for a specific reason, and you are here at this camp right now to have your faith built. You guys are strategically placed by God. You want a formula for an empty life? That's it. Proverbs says your heart is the seat of wicked thoughts, imaginations, wicked lust, of sensitivity. Uh, your heart is the, the seat of deceit, of folly, of foolishness. Your heart is the seat of heaviness. It's the seat of bitterness. It's the seat of sorrow. It's the seat of backsliding. It's the seat of pride. Your heart is the seat of haughtiness. Your heart is the seat of rage. And your heart is the seat of envy. Can you see why your heart is so important? Because where your heart is, there you go. Where your heart is, there you talk. Where your heart is, there you are. That is it. If your heart is off, you are off. So many Christians or so many people are walking through life and they're saying, well, I do believe in Jesus as my Savior. I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that they have eternity with the Lord, but they treat Jesus like he's an add-on to their life. They treat Jesus like, hey, Jesus, I'm going to keep doing my life my way. I'm going to keep doing things the way I want to do them. I'm going to keep dating the way I want to date. I'm going to date who I want to date. I'm going to behave how I want to behave. I'm going to talk how I want to talk. I'm not changing any of that. But yes, Jesus, I want to go to heaven. If we devote our lives to anything other than the cause that Jesus has called us to devote ourselves to, we will find ourselves empty. excited to share that video with you guys. Uh, it's obviously, it's a conglomeration of five churches that are working together right now, uh, doing that camp and uh, very excited about uh, what we've been accomplishing and looking forward to being back there next year. So um, if you know of any students that want to go next year, uh, just get a hold of us and let us know. Uh, the, the, our church is very faithful to do scholarships and try and help kids get there. It's just been awesome uh, to see what the Lord does up in that space. So uh, would you join me this morning as we continue? <clears throat> Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come brokenhearted, the rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. 
Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't hear. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. A wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are. There's hope for the hopeless and all those who've strayed. Come sit at the table, come taste the grace. There's rest for the weary, rest that endures. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't cure. So lay down your burden. Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face A wanderer come home You're not too far So lay down your hurt Lay down your heart Come as you are, come as you are, fall in his arms, come as you are. There's joy for the morning, O sinner, be still. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. So lay down your burdens, lay down your shame. All who are broken, Lift up your face, a wanderer, come home, you're not too far. So lay down your hurt, lay down your heart, come as you are, come as you are. You guys can be, we're going to go ahead and move to communion. All right, there we go. All right. All right, thank you.
That was a great video. Um, there was, uh, before we get into communion here, I got to tell you just a, a quick little story. So when we first came down from Alaska, I played with the idea of buying a boat like they were skiing behind. We were in Kalispell near Flathead Lake, and I thought, wow, that'd be pretty cool. But uh, decided to go rent one for a day first, if I, and it turned out to be a good thing because I found out that most of the ladies in my family felt like the lake was too cold to stay in very long. So, But at one point during the day, I was on one of those um, tubes like they were pulling. Tammy was driving. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> so she can drive a boat. She can make 90-degree turns, too. So if you're flying behind a boat and that boat takes a 90-degree turn, when you hit the end of that, that rope after the turn, there's a whole lot of centrifugal force there. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> so, okay. So uh, wait, uh, Shane's going to be preaching more in Jeremiah today, and, and uh, he and I were talking last Monday. We're looking at um, this, this pattern of um, spiritual leaders of, of Israel, of Judah, that, um, you know, they would get somebody like Josiah that serves the Lord, and things would, would get better for a while, but then he would, he would pass away, and for whatever reason, the kings that did good had trouble passing on to their descendants to continue that. And so then things would go the other way and um, they'd be back into uh, problems again and uh, ultimately ended up into exile. And um, so the, the song that we just did, the come as we are, you know, Jesus tells us he's not worried about us being all fixed when we come to him, but he does want us to come after we come, he's going to expect that we, we learn, we listen, we become part of the body. And um, it, it's not something that we can just do, as you heard the speaker on the video talking about. Um, he doesn't expect us to just continue doing things the way we want to do them, uh, the way that we have grown up doing them. Um, we have a change of heart. We, we become followers of Jesus Christ. And um, when we look at uh, 1 Corinthians, when Paul talks about, he's talking to the church at Corinth about their practices of, of communion. And one of the things I think we forget about sometimes is that, that Jesus, when we come to the table, he does expect us to come with our hearts changed and our hearts directed towards him. Um, in verse 26, of chapter 11 in 1 Corinthians, he says, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So as we, as we come to the table this morning, we need to remember why we're there. We're there in remembrance and in, in worship and in honor of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And um, as we do that, he honors our worship 
and he communes with us. He allows us to partake and participate with him in the death and the resurrection through communion. So, um, as we come to the table today, I would, would encourage you, examine yourself. If you have things that need to be settled between you and, and God, take care of that. Um, if, if you feel like you're just not in a good spot, then maybe today is not the day to take communion. But um, it's something that we, sh- we need to take, take seriously and to, to consider. So as we do communion this morning, we've got three, three stations. I went back there. Um, okay. So back by Lee, there's also a station where we've got communion laid out. So let's, uh, let's get, the, get the, the elements, if you would want to come forward and get those, and then um, take the elements back to your seat, and we'll partake together as a body. Okay, so going back to 1 Corinthians again, chapter 11, verse 23. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the body of Christ. In the same way, 
Also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Take the cup. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for the gift of Jesus' body broken on the cross and his blood shed for the remission of our sins. Father, let us always take that seriously. And let us, Lord, be changed as we go forward from this place and be your servants, spreading your gospel to the world around us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing with me? How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul the work is finished the end is written jesus christ my living hope who could imagine so great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the god of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken i am forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior i'm yours forever jesus christ my living hope hallelujah praise the one who set me free hallelujah death has lost its grip on me you have broken every chain there's salvation in your name jesus christ my living hope then came the morning that sealed the promise your buried body began to breathe out of the silence the roaring lion 
declared your grave has no claim on me. Came the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of the silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the victory. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Oh God, you are my living hope. Uh, Father, thank you for the fact that you are our living hope. Through Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, we have hope through the new life in Jesus. God, I pray as we look at your word today that you would transform our hearts and our minds and that we would, God, we would fear, we would respect, we would follow, we would obey you in your name. Amen. Hey, nursery kids are dismissed zero to four or four to zero. I don't know which direction that goes, but uh, no older than four unless you're helping down there and you're dismissed kids. Good morning, I'm Pastor Shane. I thought I'd do that. I love these things. Uh, you know, I used to actually lead worship and preach uh, for almost seven and a half, almost eight years. We did that most Sundays. And I've noticed as I've gotten older that my voice is getting weaker and I don't last, I, ju I just can't sing as much or as long and it starts popping and cracking. <clears throat> and I woke up this morning and my allergies were going crazy. I'm like, really, Lord? of all the times, to have to have a crackly voice. So I appreciate you guys singing, and uh, I want you to know that the songs that we did this morning, they're actually the songs we do with our youth camp. So, um, you know, we don't do anything special or crazy up there. Uh, we do normal church songs, and the kids sing along with us. And so part of our heart is we want the kids to be able to come on a Sunday morning and go, hey, those are songs that we do, and, and find a connection with us and with you as a body. And so uh, that's our heartbeat behind that. And obviously, I love camp. Um, I'm not the youth guy, just so you know, but I am hanging out with the kids, and I love hanging out with the kids, and I'll do camp as long as they let me show up up there and, and be part of that. So <clears throat> anyway, that's the end of that announcement. And as you can tell, my, <clears throat> my voice is a little raw already, so hang in there with me. 
Uh, we are going to do something today in your bulletins. If you turn to the back of your bulletins, you'll actually notice that there's a chart down below on the bottom. Uh, I believe it looks something like this. Sorry, Becca, I jumped ahead because I just realized this is where I was at. Um, you'll find that in your bulletin. What I'm trying to do, and we're working through with our preaching team, we're trying to help everybody kind of understand the blocks that we're in in Jeremiah, right? And so you'll notice if you look at this if you look at the screen or you look in the back of your bulletins, that the fourth and fifth year, it's, it's really the, a year one, the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign, through year four, uh, all of these passages at some point point to one of that, those positions. So you've got chapter uh, 22, 35, 25, 26, 36, 45, 46, 47, 48, 49. We're going to cover all those today. Not well, don't panic, we're not reading the whole thing. But it, this is a, it's a specific time in the nation of, of Judah with Jehoiakim, and there's specific things that are happening here, and many of these passages point to that very thing. The bottom four, 46, 47, 48, and 49, those are specifically addressing to the multiple nations that are present during this time of, Ju- uh, of Judah's reign when Jehoiakim's on the throne, and they are receiving from God their judgments along with Judah. So it's important as you go home, as you do uh, your Bible study this week, to grab those four chapters and read through them as well. So that's part of your homework passage, 46, 47, 48, and 49. And you'll notice in there that it actually gives us the specification of when that time frame is. And it's at the beginning of Jehoiakim's reign or within the fourth year of Jehoiakim's reign. So what we're going to do today uh, is we're going to jump into chapter 26. We're going to start through the the chapter 26. We're going to deal with chapter 25 at some level and touch on chapters 36. And I don't think we're going to get to 45, although that was in my notes. But that's the plan. And my hope is, as you get to go through this with me, you will see a great joy and a great hope that you and I have uh, in the midst of this great and tragic time for the nation of Israel, Judah specifically, uh, because it reflects the very character of God, and it's reflected again in the text this morning. Turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 26. If you have your personal Bible, you can just keep it open to 26. We're going to be there quite a bit. Uh, and and jump back and forth. And just so you guys know how crazy this week was, I got in this morning and I'm getting ready for, I, I realized at like 7 o'clock or 5 o'clock this morning that I had to practice and get ready for my sermon and I kind of panicked. And so I'm in doing my sermon prep and I realized that I had three major passages completely wrong referenced. And so um, if the slides are wrong, it's all my fault uh, because I had, I gave the tech team all the wrong slides, or like three passages. So just apologizing ahead of time. Turn to your Bibles, though, Je- Jeremiah 26, starting in verse 1. It says this, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, the word came from the Lord. This word came from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah that come to worship in the house of the Lord. All the words that I command you to speak to them. Do not hold back a word. It may be they will listen. Every one turn from his evil way, that I may relent from the disaster that I intend to do to them because of their evil deeds. You shall say to them, thus says the Lord, if you will not listen to me to walk in my law that I have set before you and to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets whom I send to you urgently, though you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh and I will make this city a curse for all the nations of the earth. 
So the first thing we, that we see is that in, in this process, Jeremiah is bringing a word from the Lord that he's bringing to Jehoiakim at the beginning of his reign. He's offering the nation of, of Judah the opportunity to turn from their wicked ways and to follow the Lord. There's this beautiful picture that, that, that I love what he says in the text <clears throat> in verse 3. He says, it may be that they will listen and that they will repent. So here the word of the Lord's coming. Remember, Josiah was a faithful servant of God. He heard the word of the Lord and he repented. He turned around and he restored the nation of Judah back into worshiping God. And, and he did great things. And this is his son, Jehoiakim who is following him, and God is giving Jehoiakim as the king and the nation of, of Judah another opportunity to repent, to turn from their wicked ways, to turn from the evil that we're, they're doing, and, and to repent. We see that in the verses 26, 1 through 3 that we just read. What's so amazing to me um, is that this is the very character and nature of God, and it's going to be expressed in this particular passage at this particular time with the nation of, of Judah. Look in Exodus chapter 34, and we've read this before, but it's one of my favorite passages of the Old Testament because it's the very nature of who God is. It's when he's introducing himself to Moses and to the nation of Israel when he first calls them. It says this in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. You actually watch Moses' response in this moment. He recognizes that he's standing before the very God of the universe who's describing to the nation of Israel who he is. And Moses' response is that he bows in worship quickly before the Lord. He recognizes who he is and he bows. In fact, many of the Old Testament characters, when they came into the presence of the Lord, right, they would fall on their face. Many of them thinking they were going to die because they'd seen God or they'd seen the Lord's angel the angel of the Lord, and, and they would respond in such fashion. In that passage, we actually see both of the things that are going to be uh, demonstrated in this moment. We see the grace of God, the mercy of God, His long-suffering, His desire to relent from bringing disaster, to forgive the transgressions and sins of the people. But He also says that He will not forget the guilty. He will not uh, stop from passing judgment on the guilty, on those who reject His word. And so here at this moment, in the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, God shows up through Jeremiah with this word, turn from your wicked way, follow me and re repent, that I may relent from bringing this disaster. It's interesting in the text of chapter 26, if you follow along in chapter 26, uh, grab uh, verses 3 through 7. I'm sorry, that's the wrong one, 7 through 11. <clears throat> My notes, i got to finish fixing them too. Jeremiah chapter 26, 7 through 11. We actually see this response. We're going to watch the story unfold this morning as the nation of, Israel, or nation of Judah responds to Jeremiah's words at this time. Chapter seven, or verse 7 of chapter 26, the priests and prophets respond and they say this. The priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. 
And when Jeremiah had finished speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, then the priests and the prophets and all the people laid hold of him, saying, You shall die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without inhabitant? And all the people gathered around Jeremiah and in the house of the Lord. Sorry, one, one more. When the officials uh, of Judah heard these things, they came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and took their seat in the new entry or in the entry of the new gate of the house of the Lord. Then the priests and the prophets said to the officials and to all the people, "This man deserves the sentence of death because he has prophesied against this city as you have heard with your own ears." So the response of the people to Jeremiah's word was what? The, pro- the priests and the prophets and the people, they wanted to kill him. And they actually drag him before it, it ends up being a, a basically a, a trial. The, the officials come down, they gather before him at, at the gate, at the new gate, at the entry of the new gate. They're, they're actually holding a trial uh, against Jeremiah and this word that he's bringing. And their desire is that they would kill him. And, and I, I, love, I love in this particular story, we actually get more of the story. So we're going to continue to read in verses 11 through verse 19, Jeremiah 26. Look at what it says. Then Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and this city all the words you have heard. Now, therefore, mend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will res- relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against you. But as for me, behold, I am in your hands. Do with me as seems good and right to you. Only know for certain that if you put me to death, you will bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and its inhabitants. For in, tr- in, uh, for in truth, the Lord sent me to you to speak all these words in your ears. Then the officials and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man does not deserve the sentence of death, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. And certain of the elders of the land arose and spoke to all the assembled people, and saying, Micah of Moresheth prophesied in the days of Hezekiah king of Judah, and said to all the people of Judah, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Zion shall be plowed as a field, Jerusalem shall uh, become a heap of ruins, and the mountains of the house a wooden height. Did Hezekiah, king of Judah, and all Judah put him to death? Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And did not the Lord relent of the disaster that he has pronounced against them? But we are about to bring great, uh, great disaster upon ourselves. Here in this picture of the response of the officials, they actually go back to their own history and they, they bring up this, this moment in, Hez, in King Hezekiah's response to the Lord and they, they actually remember that he responded. He relented from doing the things that he did. He feared the Lord and he repented and the nation was saved in that moment from the disaster that was coming. So you have Moses who, when the word of the Lord is present, when he sees it, he responds and he, he actually bows in the presence of God. You have King Hezekiah, who in the word of the Lord is brought by a prophet. He relents from that. He humbles himself and fears the Lord. And the Lord relents from bringing the disaster upon him, and the people are saved. And so in this moment, the, the officials actually protect Jeremiah, and they actually, they actually rescue him in this moment of trial, and, and they present that before him.
As we continue uh, in the time frame, uh, we actually have to jump back now to chapter 25. What's interesting too, make sure, would you highlight in your notes to read the rest of 26? There's a little story about this prophet named Uriah that's prophesying at the same time as Jeremiah. It's, this is the only reference I can find about this particular Uriah. Um, but he's prophesying at the same time, and Jehoiakim gets mad at him and threatens to kill him, and he runs. He runs to Egypt for safety. He fears the king, and he runs to Egypt for safety, and he's caught there and killed. We're going to see uh, Jeremiah in his response in a little bit, uh, but just keep that in your mind. I encourage you to read the rest of chapter 26. But as we jump back to chapter 25, and we'll actually see at the beginning, the first two verses, one and two specifically says that this is four years into Jehoiakim's reign. So 26, uh, chapter 26 was at the beginning of his reign. Jeremiah gives him this word. He challenges him. This is what God says. In chapter 25, we're actually four years in. And the word of the Lord comes to Jeremiah again, and he responds uh, to the word of the Lord and comes and presents this message to the people of Judah. Jeremiah 25, starting in verse 3, 3 through 7. He says this, For 23 years, from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Amnon, king of Judah, to this day the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. You have neither listened nor inclined your ear, although the Lord persistently sent to you all his servants and prophets, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and evil deeds and dwell upon the land that the Lord has given you and your fathers from of old and forever. Do not go after other gods to serve and worship them or provoke me to anger with the works of your hands. Then I will do, no, uh, do you no harm. Yet you have not listened to me, declares the Lord, that you might provoke me to anger with the work of your hands to your own harm. As you continue through that passage uh, in, Jer- in uh, Jeremiah chapter 25, you'll actually see that God brings and presents with them the promise of captivity. Their last chance has been, expe- has been used, and God is now bringing his wrath. He's bringing his judgment on the nation. This is four years after the first uh, offer to Jehoiakim in the nation. Four years later, they have not repented. They have not turned away from their, the, the wickedness that has been there. And Jeremiah shows up with the word of the Lord saying, it's time. The wrath of God is coming. In fact, we see that in Jeremiah 25, verses 15, 16, and, and all the way up to 33. Look at what it says. Jeremiah 25, 15. Thus the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me, Take from my hand this cup of wine, uh, the wine of wrath, and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I am sending among them. I'm jumping all the way to verse 33. You can, you can read through there. There's more about what's happening there, but you'll see the, the final condition of what they're going to be like in verse 33. And he says, And those pierced by the Lord on that day shall extend from one end of the earth to the other. They shall not be lamented or gathered or buried. They shall be dung on the surface of the ground. The very presence of God, the very... Uh, uh, offer of God to relent from bringing disaster was rejected by Jehoiakim, by the people of Israel, and God brings his judgment and this promise of 70 years of captivity and his wrath coming down upon the nation. And we have an interesting response to this. 
uh, in Jeremiah chapter 36. This is Jehoiakim's response uh, to Jeremiah bringing this uh, word to him. Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 23. And we'll read through verse 26. As Jehudai read three or four columns, the king would cut them off with a knife and throw them into the fire in the fire pot until the entire scroll was consumed in the fire that was in the fire pot. Yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these things were afraid, nor did, their, did they tear their garments, even when Elnathan Elnath, and uh, Delilah and Jeremiah urged the king not to burn the scroll. He would not listen to them. And the king commanded Jeremiah, uh, the king's son, and Saraiah, the, the son of Azareel, and Shelemiah, the son of Abedil, to seize Barak, the secretary, and Jeremiah, the prophet, but the Lord hid them. So once again, as we look back and, and we, we watch this movement, you know, we, we went all the way back to, Jer- to Moses when he first was introduced to the Lord. And when God was present, he bowed before him. He humbled himself. He feared the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. When King Hezekiah heard the word of the Lord and the prophets brought it to him, he repented. He, he relented from his behavior and he turned back and God relented. Here with Jehoiakim, we actually see God offering the same response that he gave to his father, Josiah. That when the word of the Lord was found and Josiah read it, he responded to it by lamenting. He tore his garments and they, they, they actually lamented the sin that they saw present in their lives. Here Jehoiakim has offered the same thing. And in chapters 36, you actually watch this, this succession of, of a process where the Lord tells Jeremiah to get a scribe and write down all of the words that he said and bring them before the king. And so everything that, that had been written up to that point uh, was in this scroll that the king is burning. And even his own advisors are saying, you shouldn't do this. But we see a very unique, a very important piece that's exposed here, and that is in verse 24, yet neither the king nor any of his servants who heard all these words were afraid, nor did they tear their garments. They did not fear the Lord. In their lives, they were fearful of the things going on around them. They were worried about other kingdoms. They were worried about the consequences of, of the captivity that they were facing, the consequences of, of, of the relationship between Egypt and them and this new King Nebuchadnezzar coming out of Babylon and all of the conflict that was going on around their nation. But they did not fear the word of the Lord. And they responded likewise. One of the things that as I was thinking about this process in my life, as I was wrestling with this picture of Jehoiakim's response to God, it actually didn't get me thinking to the spot where I'm like, do I fear the Lord? Because, uh, you know, if, if we think about uh, fearing God and falling on our face before Him when He shows up, uh, you know, I, I don't know how many of you have experienced that moment in your life, um, but I haven't. Um, I have not had the angel of the Lord come down and speak to me in person, uh, and, and so I haven't fallen on my face from that. Uh, I have seen my sin 
uh, exposed where people have seen my sin, and I know the shame of that. I know the, I know the, the fear of being exposed. Uh, how many of you are good at hiding stuff, and you're, you're afraid of people noticing it? Um, I mean, I've grown up and spent my life in, in church trying to hide those things and trying to look like a great Christian and, and, and uh, pretty successful for a season. Still, I meet some of you out in public where I'm not, don't know that you're there, probably. But the reality is, is that in this idea of fearing the Lord, I recognize that I, I'm struggling, that I want to know him more. I want to fear the Lord. So that when I see sin, I would, I would measure that out and say, but I fear the Lord more. I don't want to displease my God. I want to serve my God. I want to honor him. But what the process for me this week, what I realized as, as I was wrestling with who we are in Christ and how do we apply this to us today? We have the example of several people in this storyline that responded to God in worship, in fear, right, rightfully fearing the Lord and worshiping God. And God's response to them was mercy and grace, and he relented from bringing the disaster that he had promised. And what, what, I, what caught my heart and where I began to worship God this week in my own personal study was uh, reminded me of Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 31, that as, as we come before the Lord, as we recognize who we are in Christ, that we have nothing to fear on this earth except for God himself. That's the joyful hope that we have as the church. Jehoiakim and the nation of Israel, they were, they were responsible to respond to the words of the prophet, to, to relent from the behaviors that they had and, and to respond properly to God at that moment. And you and I have an incredible blessing in Christ that through him as his children, he's paid the price and he's the one that took our sin. And so although the, the, the world may be going crazy and there may be great uh, things in our lives that we could potentially be fearing, we have great hope. And so I think that as we think about our response to the Lord and our response to his word, obviously we want it to be more like Josiah and Hezekiah and Moses, that we would respond to God. We would acknowledge that his word is truth. And that when we see sin in our lives, we'd repent. But as I was thinking about the hope that we have, this passage in Romans grabbed my heart and I wanted to share it with you this morning. Romans chapter 8. When we think about who are we fearing, Jehoiakim was fearful of the nations around him. He was, he was fearful of, of losing his city, probably losing control. I, I don't know all of the things that he was going through. Uh, by the grace of God, I wasn't there. But I know that he was fearful of things other than God. And the great challenge for us is to be sure that our fear, our, cons our, our worship is pointed to God to Jesus alone. But look at what Romans chapter 8, verse 31 says. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Excuse me, it is God who justifies, who is, to, uh, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, 
who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or a sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What is it that's in your life? What is it that's in our lives that causes us fear? What is it that, that has us distracted from the word of the Lord, from responding to God, from being his disciples? What is that thing? You know, we, we watch in, in Jeremiah, we're watching the nation of Israel repeatedly choose idolatry and choose the things of their flesh over the worship of God, over submitting to God the Father and, and following his word. I don't know that we're much different in our responses to life. How many are concerned about finances? It's a good thing to be concerned about finances. That's not a condemnation. We should be concerned about our finances. What about our health? How many of you are concerned about your health? Okay, come on. Are we concerned? Yeah, those are normal, healthy things. We're supposed to take care of ourselves. We're, we're called to be wise. We're called to do these things. We're concerned about our nation. We're concerned about our neighbors. Uh, some of us drive older cars. We're concerned about getting home. Uh, those things are all normal life stuff. They're real. And, and we're supposed to be seeing those. God's put us in that place for a reason. We're, we're at the specific time. Those are all part of life. But the challenge for us, I believe, as believers is when those things become the prominent part of our time and day, when they own every piece of us, and God gets little to nothing. I believe that's where we as believers, we've, we've, we've walked into a place where we're more fearful of the things around us than we are of the holy God who has given us opportunity and access to his throne through the blood of his, his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not saying that God's going to come and bring wrath upon us and do what he's doing in Jeremiah. But I do believe that as his children, we should at least look at our lives and ask the question, God, are you first? Do I fear you more than anything else? Do I understand my hope and my confidence in, in who you are and who I am as your child? Can I worship you this morning regardless of my health issues, regardless of how I feel, regardless of whether the car starts or not, whether I, whether I have a bad experience going to church with some goofball on the road, whether I've had a conflict with my bride this morning, how many of you guys love that, coming to church, having an argument with you at home? Isn't that wonderful? It's, just, it's, it's a spectacular moment in your life when you get to do that. And then, and then you come, and people are all happy about being there, and you're like, God's involved in that too. This relationship that we have, it, it is meant to transform everything we do. You know, one of the things I hate the most is when I'm leading worship and my voice squeaks. 
hate that. It's so embarrassing. Did you guys hear it? What? Thank you, John. I appreciate that. I know it was there. That just means that the sound system's doing its job, I guess. I didn't think they could actually fix that, but hey, well done. But I hate that because I'm proud. I don't like looking like a goofball. I don't like looking like an idiot. And I feel that there's times that God says, no, I really need you to look like yourself. Because otherwise, you'd, you'd just take, you'd take and run with that. And your pride would, would be too big. But I hate that. I have to trust the Lord with that every morning. And I've asked him to, let it, to take it away, and he goes, nope. In fact, I'm going to give it more opportunity this week. Thank you, Lord. Who do we fear? What is it that captures your heart today? Is it the very nature of the character of God when he introduces himself to Israel? Doesn't come in and say, I'm the creator God who's going to crush you if you do anything wrong. But he lays out the character of his mercy and grace and his desire to forgive sin. The same God who sends his son while the nation of Israel is an enemy, while the nation is rebelling, he's promising the, the, the coming king, the root of David, the, the seed, this branch that's going to transform the nation of Israel and it's going to transform our lives as we know it. Is that who we fear? Or, or are we very focused on the physical here and now, just like Jehoiakim was? To the point where he felt comfortable destroying the very word of the Lord. Kind of a mockery of God, I would say. In that posture. It is joyful for me that because of the work of Christ, I have nothing to fear on this earth. You guys, I have to be reminded of that. I, I, I mean, I need you guys to remind me of that from time to time because I get my head all mixed up and I start getting distracted by things so easily. So easy to be distracted by life. Frustrated with things that are going on. So what do we do? We have a pattern. Did you guys see the pattern? What did Moses do when he heard the word of the Lord? Bowed his head before the Lord. He bowed in worship. What did King Hezekiah do? He saw his sin, the Lord, word of the Lord, and he repented. He turned away from his sin and turned back to the Lord. What's Jehoiakim doing? He's rejecting it. So my encouragement to you and to me this morning is that when we're in the Word of God, when we're in our, our time of worship, when life is just rampantly taking that away and we're letting it rule us, that we respond like Moses and Hezekiah and Josiah and many other men and women in Scripture when they recognize that their focus is wrong, when they recognize that their heart is going after the wrong things, when they recognize that they're worshiping things that are idols in their life, that they repent and they turn away from those things and they run back to the Lord. And I want to encourage you, as I'm encouraging me, to do that very thing even this morning. As we close with one more song, uh, you don't, if you don't want to sing, you can just do business with the Lord. I want to encourage you to do that. But this song is one of my favorites, and I know I do it 
most of the time that I get to do this because I only lead worship once every three years, I guess. But this song is called Whom Shall I Fear? And uh, it was, uh, there was a gal in our church who was going through cancer treatment. And uh, we were back in Enos Valley, so we couldn't see her. She was out here, and uh, she was actually in, uh, in Spokane, I believe. It was th- that or Seattle. I can't remember. The details are a little fuzzy to me. It was like, it was a few years ago. But I remember the Sunday that she came home from her treatment, and she was sharing how God had been working on her. And there was a moment in that day when the diagnosis was still out. She was waiting to hear from the Lord, and this song came on the radio. And we'd sung it at church a couple of times already. I'd introduced it to him up there. <clears throat> and she remembered that song. And when, when we first came, it just happened to be that we were singing that song that Sunday morning when she came in. And she's weeping in the back. And we're, we, were, we were six chairs deep is all we were in the church. So you can't hide from anybody in that church. And I'm, here she's weeping. And we're singing this song because what, what she realized at that moment in her walk with the Lord is even... Whatever happened with that diagnosis, that she had a relationship with God that was bigger than that moment, that was bigger than the physical fear and the physical trauma she was lining up to do. And so when she came and and she shared that with me, um, this song just has become one of my favorite to do. And so um, join me uh, and sing with me on this. You hear me when I call. You hear me when I call. You are my morning song. Though darkness fills the night, it cannot hide the light. Whom shall I fear? You crush the enemy underneath my feet. You are my sword and shield, though troubles linger still. Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. My strength is in your name, for you alone can save. You will deliver me. Yours is the victory. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever. He is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Nothing formed against me shall stand. 
You hold the whole world in your hands. I'm holding on to your promises. You are faithful. You are faithful. Nothing formed against me shall stand. You hold the whole world in your hands. I'm holding on to your promises. You are faithful. You are faithful. You are faithful. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. I know who goes before me. I know who stands behind. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The one who reigns forever, he is a friend of mine. The God of angel armies is always by my side. The God of angel armies is always by my side. Father, would you remind us of that this week as we go to serve and worship you, as we wrestle with the realities of life, as we're in your word and we see the places, God, where our heart needs to change. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to repent, help us to to humble ourselves and bow our pride and our lives before you and worship and fear you alone. I thank you for that. I thank you for your faithfulness and your kindness. And God, that you forgive our sins and trespasses. What a glorious truth that is. May you be glorified. And Lord, I pray that you would take all the glory this week from your church as we serve you and as we witness to our neighbors, as we go out and reflect your glory in this world that desperately needs to know the love of Jesus. Help us to do that for your sake and for your glory and for your purposes. Amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.